Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome to Culture Calculus. I'm Kavitha Davidson, as always, joined by my co-host, Jason Jones, Sacramento Kings beat writer for The Athletic. We are super pumped to welcome Gail Devers, the woman, the legend, to the show on this Olympics week. Gail, thank you so much for coming on and excited to jump in with you. Three gold medals, five-time world champion, Hall of Famer. How do you look back on everything that you've accomplished and been through? Oh my goodness. I look back and say, I'm old. No. <laughs> it's, you know what? I, I, I feel like I'm blessed definitely to have gone through all the things that I've gone through in my career. Um, not just, you know, winning the gold medals. Every, I always tell people, people see the, on the track scene, they see the glitz and the glory. They don't see the behind the scene. And for me, you know, there was a lot that led up to me getting to the Olympic games. Um, I was what, 1988 going into my first Olympic games. And when you're supposed to have your world to, you know, to look forward to your whole future and mine started crashing down. I always say it feels, it felt like the bottom was pulled out from underneath me. And it was, you know, in May of 88, I had broken an American record in the hurdles. So my time was Mm 12.61 and statisticians were like, okay, gosh, wow. If she gets to the game and she just runs that well, she's probably going to be a medalist. You know, and I'm like, okay, I'm young first Olympic games. Okay. I got this. And I get, well, first of all, making it to the, to the, making the team at the Olympic trials, I was trying for the hundred and the hundred meter hurdles had to pull out the hundred because it was just too much taking too much out of me. And we didn't know why I made the hurdles. I always tell people I made it by the grace of God. And then by the time I got to Seoul, everything fell apart. I mean, I ran slower than the first time I run from high school. There's a problem. And then when I look at the stats, the silver medal time was 12.61. I'm like, hey, that was supposed to be my medal, you know, but it's um, coming forward past that. I came back to the States and you just know, you know, I always tell people I, I keep like sticky notes and they're like, I signed them. And it's a constant reminder to me of my goals and my dreams. And I always feel like I set realistic goals. And so when it doesn't work out, it it makes you wonder. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty detailed in how I set my goals. And so I started going to the doctors, trying to figure out. And they were like, well, you know, maybe you peak too many times. I'm like, "Mm, I don't 
don't think that's right. You know, now I, but maybe, you know, I, I've been wrong. And it's like, you know, well, then I started noticing signs and symptoms like my nails that were normally long unless I did something crazy and I cut them, not that they broke. Um, they started breaking. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, hmm, that's something. My hair usually is long. I mean, I cut it now, but it's usually long. It started falling out. And I was never bald completely, but I was bald in spots. My, I remember my heart rate was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm having a heart attack all the time. I mean, I had heart palpitations. My resting heart rate was something really ridiculously crazy. And then I started losing a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And now the weight was so much that I got to the point where it was like, I was a skeletal of the person that I know. I think I, I saw stopped. you weighed 76 pounds at one yeah, point. Yeah, I was like 79. I stopped getting oh. on the scale. So I don't actually know how far I went down, but I stopped getting on the scale because I'm like, you keep telling me there's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the same doctor. I was like, let me go to somebody else and see if they know what they're talking about. I was constantly tired. And I think that was with your heart racing and being tired, it doesn't work. But yet I couldn't sleep because I had insomnia. When I did sleep, everybody was like, oh, that's because uh, my I didn't realize I stopped looking at the mirror, actually covered my mirrors, that my eyes were bulging. And so when I tried to lay down and go to sleep and close my eyes, my eyes wouldn't close all the way. So mm-hmm. you can imagine that's kind of scary for little kids seeing that like, uh. so um, and it just just it went on for two and a half years two and a half years. And I mean, I had written a resignation speech to give to my coach to say, you know, you're out here with all these great athletes. I feel like I'm taking up your time. I got to go. And he thankfully didn't accept it. Said, we'll figure this out. I mean, I was jogging, pulling my hamstring. How do you pull your hamstring jogging? Mm. You know, so I was losing like, like muscle atrophy. It was just thing that you could think of. I always tell people, I believe because anything that can go wrong did go wrong at this time. And it just, I think for me, the, the, the answer was when I finally got diagnosed, even though it was two and a half years later, you know, I had to stop running. So my career was sidelined. All I prayed every day and what I wrote on my sticky notes was that I just want to catch up to Gail. Mm-hmm. I got to catch up to the old Gail. And it's like, I, I tell people the, the hardest part about having my Graves disease at that time was not having it. It was the not knowing. It was mm-hmm. having your life in limbo, not knowing what tomorrow was going to bring. Um, I had what I call like, what, what looks like vitiligo. Mm-hmm. So if, if you have a sore and it turns into a scab and then it lifts. So I had where it would lift, it was like white or very, very light with no melody. So I had that on my hands and on my face. I couldn't stand the way I look. I mean, mm-hmm. I turned myself alligator woman because I was like, who is this? My eyes are bulging. And, and then I didn't even realize cause I had stopped looking, I had a goiter. So, which is like a, a, a big lump at the base of my neck. So my, my dream come true is so to speak was the day that I walked into that office and that doctor told me you're walking thyroid disorder. And I mean, the tears started flowing. I was like, Oh my gosh, thank you. At least, you know, to I'm finally not have wa- a diagnosis right. reason. Right? Yeah. I'm not a washed up athlete, you know? Um, and it, it was just, I was like, from there, I was like, where's my sticky notes? You know, I got to brush them off. They're a little dusty after three years, but I got to get back out there. I got to get back out there. Um, you know, I couldn't really run on the track when everybody else was. So I, my coach brought a stationary bike out to the track. Mm-hmm. And when everybody else was warming up, I get on my bike and they did speed work. I go faster. You know, they cool down. I go slower. And then I always tell people now you guys are young, so you may not even remember this, but <laughs> when, um, when I couldn't go in the weight room right away. 
And so, cause I couldn't put shoes on and different things. So when everybody was lifting weights back in the day, we used to have like the really thick, 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 like yellow pages, white pages on telephone yeah. books. See, yeah. okay, hey, you yeah. guys. I, I, I was still really, yeah. really old when I tell people. <laughs> I know so, what you're talking about. Okay, good, good, good. So yeah, so I used to strap those on with ace bandages on my hamstrings and do like leg curls, wow. do whatever I could do to keep some kind of strength, you know, keep it going so that when I was able to get on the track and run that's what I did but you know it took three years but I was back and my first race well not my first race but later on that year I ended up running at the world championships I ran 12.63 so I was catching Gail Mm -hmm. and you know everybody else was like I'm tired I'm going home I'm like I can't go home send me back over to Europe I still have work to do and I ended up breaking my American record and running 12.48 so then I was on a mission so yes I mean, and then and then yeah. you win a gold in '92 <laughs> in Barcelona. I mean, that's just wild. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, so do you guys read? So you said you watch back in the day, and I always say that because my daughter Legacy says anything that refers to when I ran was called back in the day. Oh, that's how wow. <laughs> we can't have that now. No, because I remember exactly. back so in the day. So I, I'm not going to stand for that. <laughs> I will tell her. So when I ran in '92, I was in lane two. So. Back then, what they used to do, if they thought you were one of the ones to win, they gave you lanes four, five, and six. Right. So they gave me lane two. So I always tell people, you, you see what they thought about me. Mm-hmm. And and from there, what I took is that it doesn't matter what other people believe about you. It's what you believe about yourself and what you're willing to work for. And I saw myself throughout my two and a half year time being silent. I saw myself crossing that finish line. And so to see it happen, and you know, it was it was a great, it was definitely a dream come true. Was that thought what kept you going over that time? Because a lot of people would have given up after a year. You mm-hmm. say, you know what? I'm sick. We can't figure this out. Right. Well, you know what, what? What track and field was my life. And like, I mean, I'm serious when I say I got sticky notes everywhere. <laughs> when I write it down and I write that as a goal and I sign it, you know, word is bond. So I sign my name because it means I'm committed. And and when I set my goals, I like to think that I set a realistic goal of something that can be accomplished. So that's what was fueling me and wanting, keeping me, like you said, keeping me going, saying, I got to get back to Gail. Cause if I don't get back to Gail, what's, why am I, what's, what's worth being here? Mm-hmm. You know, that's my reason for getting up every morning. That's what I do. So I got to get back to that. Then I can decide once I catch her, then I can decide what else I want to do with my life. I mean, that's just incredible perseverance and strength of, of all kinds of, all different kinds of strength, mental strength, <laughs> physical strength, right? Did you, a lot of black women have talked about, um, you know, their experience with doctors and not being believed when they, you know, present symptoms. Did you experience that before you got your Graves diagnosis? Girl, I thought, they had me thinking I was crazy. Mm. They had me, I was, I was in a very, 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 very dark, low spot. Um, and I always tell people, the walls are closing in on you and there's no way out because if you're, if you rely on your body as an athlete and your, and your body's letting you down and you go to the medical profession for help and they're telling you that there's nothing wrong, how would you feel? Right. You know what I'm saying? And this yeah. went on. It got to the point that I started looking through my provider book saying, Oh, that name sounds interesting. Let's see if he or she knows what they're talking about. That's how bad it was. And I think what brought me out of it was Thinking about that, okay, maybe I'm making this up in my head. Maybe they're right. But the last time I looked at myself or when I went to wash my face or brush my teeth and I couldn't look at myself, why? Because the person that was looking back at me was not me. Mm-hmm. Let me know that I've got to reach deep down inside myself and I got to be my own advocate for my own health. I fought for my life. 
That's right. what I was fighting for. I was fighting for my life and my life was running. So I was really trying to get to the point where I could run for my life. And, you know, which is why for me, you know, I, I take July very serious because knowing the statistics of those people who have it and I, and I don't think anybody should have to suffer the way I suffered, you know? And so July is like, and not just July, but especially July, because at least people will pay attention. It's like, this is Graves Disease Awareness Month. I mm-hmm. need everyone to know the symptoms. If you're having these symptoms, you need to go in and get yourself checked so that you can make sure, and let's make up numbers. Let's say there's 10 million Americans who have Graves disease. I need 10 million Americans under a doctor's care, mm-hmm. not 10 million Americans wandering around aimlessly trying to figure out where their answers come from. And the crazy part of all of this is that I thought I had my life back. I'm like, okay, yeah, I went on, I went back to the Olympic games and people are like, you're good, right? I'm like, I still had some issues that I was like, okay, you know, eye issues for the main part. I mean, I still had like the redness where people were like, oh, you got pink eye, you have allergies. I'm like, I don't have allergies. I don't have pink eye. I don't wear contacts, nothing got messed up. I don't know why my eyes are red like that. You know, um, I don't know why I still have like when at nighttime when cars are coming at me and their lights kind of bother me. I don't know why that's happening. I just assume that all the things, you know, even when I was running, it felt like, you know, running over the hurdles was blurry, but I'm like, it's a rhythm race. Okay, I'm good. I know how many steps out of the blocks and in between the hurdles and to the finish line, I'm just going to run a rhythm race. I wish it would clear up, but it did. It didn't, but at least I have my life. You know what I'm saying? So then 30 years that I've been dealing with this. And I just recently found out that 50% of people who have Graves' disease may develop something called thyroid disease, which is what mm-hmm. it's related to the Graves' disease, but it's separate. So I wouldn't have known unless I went to a specialist, like an oculoplastic surgeon or, or a neuro, you know, a, a neuro ophthalmologist, mm-hmm. which I've done now. And now I've been diagnosed with having thyroid eye disease, but that's 30 years after the fact. Right. You know, I always say I'm a sprinter. Sprinters are supposed to get to the finish line quickly and first. And I've taken this like long, you know, I did run a half marathon before the pandemic. So I figure maybe I must be a distance runner now and I got to take the long route. But 30 years, (laughs) you know, 30 years is way too long. And I just I want to thank you guys, first of all, for helping me to pass this word out and let people know that if you've got Graves disease, pay attention to your eye health. Because I always tell people, I always, you know, I'm in the public eye and I'm supposed to be camera ready, but I can't unless I've got drops or something next to me, you know, and you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to do it. Get yourself treated sooner. If I had been treated sooner, I would have, you know, I wouldn't still be living with the things that I'm living with. So it's just, it is what it is. And I figure I went through it for everyone else. I wanted to be a teacher my way. I would have been in the classroom, but look at me, I've got the world as my classroom and so what I'm going to do, I'm going to adopt you guys as my relay runners. Mm-hmm. And, and on the relay, what do we do? We get the baton around the track, right, to the finish line. So our goal as far as like a finish line is making sure everybody knows it. The 10 million that we're going to make up that has it and the 5 million who are going to get TED, we're going to make sure they all have that information because in this relay baton, there's information and there's knowledge. And I won't, I, I will not rest until people know it. I mean, I, I just got a letter from somebody who's saying that they had some of these symptoms and oh my gosh, you know, I didn't even pay attention to my eyes, but thank you for bringing that to my attention. And when I hear that, it makes me feel good that I'm doing my part. My goal this year on my sticky note, I wrote my goal this year is to be the best me that I can be and to touch somebody's life and make a difference. And, mm-hmm. and this is allowing me to do that. So thank you guys for being a part of the team now. <laughs> yeah. Team and I was, yeah. 
I'm just talking about training. After you're diagnosed, and we know in track and field, training is so strenuous and with the rules about what you can do and what you can take and everything, just how did you manage to still train at such an elite level while also managing Graves' disease? And like you said, not even knowing what your eye condition was, but still staying within the confines of, okay, what can I do, not do? Just what was that juggling like? Um, you know what? I always tell people because they were like, wasn't there something they could give you to help? There are beta blockers. But, you know, as as in track and field, you don't. You don't you're not appointed. You pick that event. You mm. pick that sport. You don't have to run track and field. I chose to come back and run. That was my life. That's what I wanted to do. So I knew that there were certain things. You know, we have a 1-800 hotline number that you call to find out. I mean, I was probably overkill. Like even I, if I went to the dentist, I made my dentist call to find out what Novocaine, is that appropriate? Mm -hmm. Write it down so we have a list of it. So um, I just took extra precautions just to make sure because I didn't want to get my life back to, to have it taken away in another way. I'm living, but I can't do the things that I want to do. And I figured as long as I'm under a doctor's care, it's got to be better than when I wasn't not under doctor's care and not having any answers. So I was just very cautious of, of what I did. Like people laugh when I say I never took vitamins. They're like, you, I, it's like I didn't take any, I didn't take anything. I didn't take anything. Cause I'm like, I, all I took was my thyroid medication, which I take every day, every day for the rest of my life in order to live. And I believe that's a very small price to pay to have the quality of life that I have. So anything that came along with that, which probably is why it took me so long to be diagnosed with my thyroid eye disease, because I, as an athlete said, I just gotta be tough. I gotta deal with it. You're living, you're doing, you're doing what you wanna do, deal with it. Nobody should have to do that. And that's why I wanna get the word out that don't be Gail. <laughs> <laughs> when did you first um, kind of want to become this like spokesperson or, or raise awareness? Like how did that realization come to you? Uh, when I was at home trying to figure out answers, I'm like, how many other people are like this? There's gotta be something wrong with me. I didn't just wake up and all of a sudden the talent that I had two months ago is totally gone. And you have no more shot at running anything fast ever again in life. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. It just does not. There has to be something. And I wanted answers for myself. And then once I got those answers and because it took so long, I'm like, absolutely not. Absolutely. How many people, you know, and the statistics tell you that women are five to eight times more likely than men to develop it. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. They tell you that, you know, middle age, you'll get it. But I'm here to tell everybody it does not discriminate. Right. It will hit you at any point. You need to know the symptoms because it may not be you. But if you know the symptoms, I guarantee you, you're going to come in contact with somebody who's complaining of these same symptoms. And if you can save their quality of life, mm -hmm. that's what it's about. Person to person, helping each person's quality. We have one life to live. We got to help everybody be able to do the things that they want to do. You know, with this thyroid eye disease, it steals your identity. There are people who cannot drive. I mean, I've got a 16-year-old, blessed be. She just turned 16, got her license. Woo, woo, cursing. So, and so she can I always tell her, okay, you taking the nighttime drive because the lights really bother me. But there are people who deal with it, who cannot deal with it, right. who cannot drive. They cannot work. They don't have anyone to get them where they need to be. Imagine how they are. I mean, imagine how we all felt even just during this pandemic of, of not knowing what's going to happen, what's going to be from day to day. So imagine having that and then compounding that with having an illness mm -hmm. or an ailment. 
that 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 stripped you of your identity of who you thought you were maybe just a short while before. So from that, I'm like, you know what? No, no, I cannot accept that. You know, I know it tends to run in families, but no one at my time at that time in my family had it. Mm-hmm. No one had Graves disease. Nobody had anything. But now that I know that it's an autoimmune disorder, my mom has lupus. My legacy, my youngest daughter has Kawasaki's disease. Mm-hmm. So there are things that lead to, you know, that, okay, it's in the family doesn't mean they'll get that. But we all need to be aware. We need to be conscious. And so a dream come true for me this year was being able to partner with Horizon Therapeutics to say, okay, look, you're on the same mission I'm on, let's go, let's go. I'm with it and whatever we gotta do, however long we've gotta do it, we gotta get it done. We gotta educate people that, you know the signs and symptoms for grave disease, but also know that there's something that's related, but it's separate. And if you have, pay attention to your eye health. And if you start having these symptoms, you need to get a separate doctor to treat it. And I say, there's a website, it's real easy. I mean, because I'm like, it can't be any any easier than focus on TED. TED, TED, whatever you want to, however you want to say it, focus on TED.com. And that's going to help you get your life back on track right away. Not my route. So it's just one of those things. With all of the things that you've had to overcome, and then you go on to win two individual golds. What is it like to retire from track and field after that journey that you took? Oh, you know what? Um. Okay, so let's talk about how long I was there. My goodness, <laughs> you know, five Olympic games. I always tell people I'm the grandmother of the sport, <laughs> and so um, to to be there and to win back to back gold medals in the hundred meters for me, I I I love that I stand on the shoulders of those that came before me. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say I I'm one that I know my history. The first gold medal in the hundred meters for women was in 1928 by Betty Robinson, USA. So. And then we've gone through the through our history. In the 60s, you had uh, Wilma, then you had Wyoming, then you had Evelyn, then you had Florence, and then you had me and me. And I'm hoping that we can bring it back. We've got a great team going over there. Mm-hmm. And they're all running well. And we'll see what happens. Um, retirement for me has been, wow, I can breathe. You know, because <laughs> when you're in it, you're in it. You're like, okay, detail, I don't want it, you know. I, I had insomnia when I competed. So I didn't like, you know, people like to get there early so they can acclimate. I That was the worst thing for me. I'm like, when do I have to be there? <laughs> you know, can I get there maybe just four hours before the race over in Europe? They're like, yeah, we like you to have a little more leeway than that. But because I had insomnia, I didn't need to sleep. It actually bothered me to just sit around. But I never did anything. You know, now that I'm retired, I can actually appreciate my sport. Mm. I've become a fan of my sport. When the Olympic trials, I had it taped. I watched all the Olympic trials. I watched the Paralympic trials. I watched gymnastics Olympic trials. I know we start on the 23rd. Gymnastics starts on the 24th. We got beach volleyball on on Sunday. I'm a fan now. I'm a fan and it's cool. I've always said, you know, when I'm 60, 65, I want to be able to sit there and enjoy sports and watch. And I'm able to do that. So for me, I'm just, I I can't wait. You know, we had great uh, performances at our Olympic trials. I expect some world records to fall again. I expect, uh, because you, you know, 400 meter hurdles for women and for men, because we've got Rye Benjamin, uh, great, uh, we've, uh, Karsten Warhol. So we've got all kinds of people. Uh, Grant Holloway in the 110 hurdles. He's mm-hmm. going to break the world record because he was real close at the trial. So he just needed to save it. It's all good. Everything happens for a reason. I love the young athletes. 
because they're beast mode. I mean, there's that young, uh, he's 17 years old, um, uh, Arian Knighton. And he was the one that he ran and then he didn't even stop to take an interview. He just kept going. I'm like, he'll learn, he'll learn. Just leave him alone. <laughs> you just bring him back later on. He got to stop by. You got you to show love to our reporters. So, um, but um, they don't care. They're, right. they're at that beast mode. I don't care who you are. You can be old and I'm going to send you to your retirement party. That's kind of like their personality. And I love to watch it. I mean, from the 1500 with Cole Hawker down to the hundred. So I, I'm truly a fan. I mean, and everybody make sure you watch the shot put because the shot put has become like that event. Like, okay, you don't want somebody to tell you that somebody broke the world record. You want to watch it. You mm-hmm. want to see what Ryan and the crew have to do. So yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> Are you surprised that the Americans have yet there hasn't been another hundred meter gold medalist since you? I'm sad. <laughs> I think um, you know, <laughs> we we it's it's been a long time. And every every Olympic Games we have an opportunity, it just does not work out. I'm hoping this year will work out. You know, we've got a, a great team. Um, I think now uh Javion Oliver and um Gabby Tom, well, she's in the two hundred. And also uh, Jenna Prandini. So we've got a great team. And what I do love is that everybody who ran at the trials, they got personal bests, which means that they're still rounding into shape. Because usually at the, in an Olympic year, you, you set yourself to peak at the trials and you set yourself to peak again at the games. So if they're from what I saw, everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. So it's, it's going to be interesting. And I know there's some countries out there who will have something to say <laughs> which that's why that's why we haven't had it right now because the jamaicans are like hey mm. you know shelly ann mm-hmm. fraser she's like if i get it i get to leave your little back-to-back group and i'm in a class on my own be the only person to to get three which right. that fuels her you know but also elaine thompson she's like wait a minute hold up i won the last time i won i got something to say you got Bar. you got about eight people you got about 10 people and only eight can go to the finals Mm -hmm. who have the capability of actually running that race we won't know until they start running the rounds of what kind of shape or how they're actually rounding in for the finals but um we're gonna it's gonna come when it's supposed to happen and i don't know when that's gonna be and i'm just gonna keep cheering until it does (laughs) Well, what are your thoughts on, obviously, we won't get to see Shakari Richardson at, at these games. What were your thoughts on how that whole thing went down? You know what? I, I, when I first heard about it, first thing I said was, wow, because when she did win, she kind of let us into her life a little bit mm-hmm. by telling her, us that her mom had passed away. And then when I heard that, you know, she had tested positive for marijuana. And what, what I appreciated is that she accepted responsibility and that she said, I knew it was on the list of what I could not do. I chose to do that as my coping, but it will never happen again. And so what I take from that, I always look for lessons and there's lessons to be learned from it. Like I was a big, I love Lucy fan. People like, she's mm-hmm. crazy. What did you learn? There was lessons. She didn't know how to manage her money, you know, whatever, but there's a lesson. So what I learned from that and what I think the teaching moment is for, for everyone is that there's consequences to your actions. And if we just take that pause, to think about the consequences of your actions before you act, half the things we thought about doing, we probably wouldn't do. Just like she said, that will never happen again because you figure she trained all of this time throughout the pandemic, all of that to accomplish a goal of going to the Olympic trials and then going to the Olympic games. And a moment, one moment in time, 
took that away from her. So what I know is that that's going to fuel her. I don't want to be in the lane next to her when she comes back um, and she'll be back because it was 30 days, you know, and she's going to do what she's got to do. Um, she's taking time for herself right now. And I think that part of it, you hear so much about mental health, you know, she's 21 years old. Yeah. And mm -hmm. to be 21 and be thrust into stardom. You know, and when that happens, you've got your sponsors' responsibilities. You've got to keep your training. You interviews. You got photo shoots, and then you've got your family life, mm -hmm. and you've got everybody pulling at you, and you got money associated with that. What we need to do as a community is band around our athletes, especially our young ones, mentor them, teaching them how to find different coping mechanisms because that's not going to be the last time you're going to have something that's going to happen like that and what you don't. And I speak from, from, I speak from, cause I know, I know what it feels like to think that you're on the top. It's like being on top of a mountain and somebody taking that mountain away. Mm -hmm. I know what that feels like when you've worked so hard for something and you don't know if you'll ever get it back. You don't know. So you make sure that you don't, like you asked me, what did I do with all the things that I had to deal with? I didn't do anything. All I did was run and everything. If it was pain, if I couldn't feel my feet, I might work your hands, your feet will keep up. It, it's, I'm not doing anything that's going to jeopardize that because what jeopardized it before was not in my, I didn't have any control over that. Mm -hmm. So anything that I do have control over, I'm going to make sure I do it so that I can keep being Gail Devers. And that's what we've got to help our young athletes figure out other ways of getting to the same calmness, breathing, you know, like me, they laugh, they're like, you don't run? I'm like, girl, I ran for so many years. No, I'm not trying to run. I might go out and walk, you know, and then I decided I, I jogged, but I'm like, I'm not sprinting. I crazy. I don't ask me why I went from hundred meters to half marathon, but I did. <laughs> and it was fun. I did it, but that's checked off. Don't ever have to do that again. You know, <laughs> now I'm on bike riding. I'll go and ride 18 miles on my bike. And for me, it's just about staying fit. I just want to be healthy. I, I, I love life now, you know, and I want to uh, appreciate it and be able to do all the things that I want to do. And I want other people to join me in that. So if there's any cause that I know that somebody that there's no information out there about, I'm going to open my mouth. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You talk about the Olympic pressure and, and you know, track and field, you have world championships. Some people may only follow the Olympics every four, you know. You, oh my know. gosh, nobody knows about us until the <laughs> Yeah, does, yes. <laughs> do you think that that also intensifies the pressure just because all the work you do in between those years, you could win three world championships. People may not recognize that, but a lot, so many people put all the focus on every four years. Just what does that right. pressure feel like when, you know, I was a world champion twice, but I didn't win this race. So everyone right. thinks, OK, all the training was in vain. Right. Well, okay. I'll use my hundred meter hurdles as that example. Mm -hmm, you're you know, right. they, everybody said, Oh, you're a hurdler. You're a hurdler. You're a hurdler. And I always say I'm me and I'm a sprinter. I just happen to have to go over hurdles. So mm -hmm. I'm going to do everything that I can to run as fast. If you were to line all the hurdlers up, take the hurdles away, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't question who was going to win. Putting the hurdles, putting the barrier, that's a challenge. We got to figure it out. And so in my of running what everybody thought was my race, I hopped in the 100 to work on my speed and end up winning two back-to-back -back gold medals in an event that they say I'm not a sprinter. So the pressure of, like you said, the, the year that I don't say I failed, I say the hurdle jumped up and hit me. So that year in 92, when I ended up on the ground, mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody's like, oh, is that a jinx? Is it, no, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. Had I won in 88, I probably would have retired. I had to come back in 92. Had I won in 92 in the hurdles, I would have been like, okay, I accomplished both my goals. I'm done. But my pursuit of winning my, uh, of what I wanted to do with my goals allowed me to have a 25 plus year career. So yeah, every four years, that's the only time people really think about what we do. And yeah, that's added pressure, but you kind of have to say, you know what? I can't please everybody. I got to please me. So when I come into this arena, I got to have blinders on because everybody's talking about, oh, there's not going to be any fans in the stands. No, there's not. But when you train, I remember for 92 going into the Olympics, I knew there was going to be 100,000 people in the stands. What did that mean? That meant that I had to train myself to tune them out mm -hmm. so that I could focus on me. So that shouldn't be an issue. And then let's say there were 100,000 people in the stands, minus one or two events where they want you to clap and the athletes are the ones that start the clap. What do they tell you to do before the start? Shh, they want everybody to be quiet. So I don't think that that's gonna be the issue. I mean, they can make some fake fan noise and all that kind of stuff to make, you know, to, to give you the raw, raw. I, I, I do think like you're, you're asking, is that pressure? It is. But I always say pressure is something you allow to be placed on you. Mm. You have no control over it. So if I don't have any control over it, I can't, I'm, all, I'm, all I'm thinking about, I have one competitor and that's the clock. I'm trying to get to the finish line. And back in 92, there was a kid in Long Beach, a teenager who was very crushed about that hurdle too, so. I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry. I always tell people, I didn't cry. They're like, you didn't. I said, I didn't because I did all that I could do on that day. And so I can't, I can't worry about it. I tell people at the end of whatever the task may be, it could be a child that has a, a, a test in school. Go home, look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, did you do everything that you could do? If the answer is yes, you're successful. Success doesn't mean that you have to win the, all the races or you have to own the company or make the most money. It just means you have to be the best you you can be. So if you're talking about a kid who has a, uh, a test, let's say I'm the teacher and I'm like, all right, class, next Friday, we have a test. Now, if you wait till next Friday when your mom is bringing you to school to start studying and then you get a big fat zero and you're like, ah, she just doesn't like me. No, you didn't study. You didn't put in what you needed to do. You did not do your best. You can't look yourself in the mirror. Now, you can tell everybody else a story and say something that's not true. But looking at yourself, you already know the answer. And so for me in the hurdles, I did all that I could do. I clawed my way to the finish line in 92. It just wasn't meant to be. But I believe in destiny. Mm -hmm. I believe that everything happens because it's supposed to happen. And on that particular day, you go back, the girl who won. History of the Olympic Games, the Olympics started in Greece. The girl who won was from Greece. Mm -hmm. She's never competed again after that, but <laughs> she didn't have to, but she, she won that race. And how fitting was that? And that not only did she get a medal, she got a gold medal. 
that meant a lot to her. And had I won, I would have retired because I would have already accomplished the things I wanted mm -hmm. and not winning. I went on to have 25 years of a career in an event where people said, that's not your event. You are a hurdler. I'm like, yeah, I got a whole bunch of, as you say, world champion medals in the hurdles, but not in the Olympic games, but my pursuit of that, you know, so everything happens for a reason. If I had my life to live over, I would ask for my grave disease again. And people are like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, because it's made me into the person that I am. And now I like myself. And it's also made me have a voice mm. to help somebody else who may be struggling with this disease and not know with Graves' disease or with you know thyroid eye disease, and I'm in the position to help them and save their quality of life. That's all it's about. My grandmother passed away at 98 and a half. I figure I'm gonna be here to 100. I gotta have something to do. So hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Spread the word. Given all it took to get to Barcelona, uh, hitting that hurdle, does that feel like okay? All right, I I didn't win that race, but considering all that you had to do to get there, does it feel like? over the course of your career, that's just a blip over it is. a long the, the sad part of the blip is that you can you can Google Gail Deaver's famous fall. Oh, no. <laughs> and it comes, and it comes I'm not up. Gonna, I'm not doing that. I won't you do that. You can do it. It's all good. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a lesson. It just, you know, what I learned from that is I got to keep going. I got to keep striving to get to the finish line. I remember winning my first Olympic gold medal in the 100 in that same meet. And the reporter, you know, NBC reporter had the big old cameras and he was following me on my victory lap. He was like, slow down, savor the moment. I said, you better catch up because you don't know what I've gone through, you know? And and that's what my, my career, what it symbolizes to me is the struggles that I've gone through, the ups and downs is that nothing is guaranteed love life every single day. Every single day, try to do something that's gonna make your life better. What can you do to make somebody else's life better? What information can you give them to save their quality of life? Remember where you came from. I think life is about access and opportunity. That's what distinguishes us. And if people would realize that, it's not race, creed or color. And if we would realize that it's just access and opportunity, and if you would give everybody the same access and opportunity, this would be a, a beautiful world. But when anyone accomplishes something, if they were honest with themselves, they didn't do it by themselves. There was mm -hmm. always a team. There's a team around them. You know, in, in, in my athletics, it was my coaches. It was, you know, um, my doctors, all of that. And it's the same thing now. I still have a team that helps me accomplish the things that I want to accomplish. And when somebody opens the door for you, you're supposed to wedge it open pull some people with you in whatever capacity, whether it be in helping to mentor track people or athletes, or whether it is to help somebody on the health side of it, whatever it is, but you don't let that door close because somebody gave you an opportunity to let you be you. And that's what I want to do. I mean, I'm going to wedge, I'm going to put my booty in it, whatever, head, <laughs> this forehead, whatever I got, I'm putting it in there to keep that door open to make sure that I can help somebody else be who they want to be. Because that's what life, I mean, I always tell people dreams do come true because they do. It was my dream to go to the Olympics. And then it was my dream to go back to the Olympics. It was my dream to find Gail Devers, catch up to Gail Devers. Then it was my dream to pass her. It was my dream to be able to be a teacher. And what does a teacher do? They educate. This is my dream come true, to be able to talk to people who either know, like you guys do, or if you don't know, that I can let you know. And so I'm living my dream.
I'm living my dream. And I tell people, write it down, sign it. And, and, and sometimes you have to be an advocate for your own health, whether it's on the grave disease side, thyroid disease side, mental health illness, whatever. You've got to advocate for what you want and not let anyone deter you. There's two things you can do. We're all faced with challenges and there's two things you can do when you're faced with a challenge. You can conquer it or you can be conquered. I choose to conquer every single time, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Do you see your legacy being carried on by this gen this younger generation of runners? Well, because I have a daughter named Legacy, I can't use that word. Because <laughs> she always says, oh, Legacy, that's a cool, people say, that's a cool name. What's your legacy? She says, to just be me. Uh -huh. And so I'm going to take a page out of her book. Um, I don't think I have a legacy. I just want to be Gail. Mm -hmm. I really just want to be Gail. And I want to enjoy all that God has in store for me. I say that I have a guardian angel that rests on my shoulder. And as long as I live my life right, he's going to bless me. It may not be the way I thought it would be but it's the way it's supposed to be. So I don't question why, I just keep living. Right. How did you come up with the name Legacy? I'm curious. I thought, okay, so my first daughter's name is Carson. It's K-A-R-S-E-N. She lets you know, cause everybody's like, oh, C-A-R. She said, when she was like two, she's like, no, that's for a boy. C-A-R, boy and S-O-N, that's a son. No, I'm Carson. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, let me, let me switch it up. Cause she's just gonna be that difficult one. So. I thought my second pregnancy was going to be a boy. I was like, I think I was meant to have a girl and a boy. Then, you know, I'm good. And I just assumed until um, went to the doctor, saw the ultrasound and she was a girl and we couldn't see for a while. Cause she was like, mm, no paparazzi get away. So <laughs> um, once we figured it out, my husband was like, it just must be your legacy to have girls. And I was like, Oh, I like that name. Legacy. legacy Brielle. Let's work with it. So that's basically where it came from. It, it had nothing to do with anything other than I think it was my legacy to have girls and <sighs> we'll see what that, what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you might not think you have a legacy, but we are all very grateful for the legacy that you have left us. And thank you so much for joining us and for the conversation. Thank you for raising awareness for Graves disease. Um, and I can't wait to just watch this, to watch this Olympics in whatever form it ends up happening. <laughs> exactly. We're going we, to say a prayer that they stay safe because mm -hmm. there's, there's some stuff mm -hmm. running rampant. So <laughs> yeah. we, we want them to run, not the, not the disease to run. But I, I, I do... From the bottom of my heart, appreciate you guys. Thank you for allowing me to come on. Uh, I want to say thank you to Horizon. They know I love them, but they allowed for me to just open my mouth and talk. And, you know, I got the <laughs> gift of gab. So <laughs> I just keep doing it. And and hopefully in the conversations that we are having, somebody's listening that has Graves disease or that doesn't have it. And they're going to be made aware of those symptoms or those with Graves disease will say, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to pay attention to my eye health too and go to that website. And, and so I, I love you guys and appreciate you. I'm sorry I failed. I didn't mean to do to it, Jason. <laughs> like I said, you know, my mom, whenever you were running, my mom let me know, get, you know, Gail is on, you know, get by the TV. So, yeah. you know. Tell your mom, send, give her a hug for me. I love it. I will, I'm going to see her this weekend. I will do that. Oh, very good. Well, thank you guys for allowing me to do this and for helping us to pass the word and get it out there. You guys are cool. I, I love the the just the how you guys play off of each other. So this was a very cool interview. Thank you so much. Thank awesome. you. Thank you so much, Gail. And how are right, you guys? Take care. Yeah. All right. You, right, too. you too. You. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Culture Calculus. If you like our show, make sure to subscribe and give us a five star rating on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.